Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, it's great to have Mike Pina, good friend of the program, back on the show. It's been a while, Mike. We've been we've been like kind of trying to do it again recently. You know, you've been busy trying to write some stuff over at Vice. I've been busy trying to handle my shit over at the Athletic. Like, you know. I'm glad that we finally found some time to get together and podcast again. Sam, I look forward to these podcast episodes like you wouldn't believe. So I, I'm thrilled I got your DM this morning. You asked if I had any time today. Of course, I'll always make time for you. And, and here we are. Oh, my. We're, we're sponsored today by our X-Bar and Simple Contacts. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about the Raptors because I think that they're just kind of the biggest story in basketball right now other than the whatever's happening with the Warriors but that's kind of flamed out and gotten stale as the people have kind of figured out hey the Warriors are good again now that Steph is back uh so we're going to talk about the Raptors at the top and then we're going to talk about a few teams that I think haven't really been getting like a crazy amount of attention uh the Spurs have been just strange to me in a lot of ways because yeah they're like right around 500 but I think that they're uh you know kind of I guess fundamentals we'll call them. Yeah. The fundamentals aren't looking great in terms of their numbers. Uh, The wolves have turned things around since the Jimmy Butler trade. Everyone was focused on Philadelphia on them, but let's kind of turn it around and look at why Minnesota has been good. And then the Pacers are quietly just kind of sneaking along playing really, really good basketball and look like, you know, the kind of top five team that we thought they'd be in the Eastern conference. And then of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Markel Fultz and a little bit about whatever else comes up because Mike watches as much basketball as I guess, like anyone realistically (laughs) on the internet, you have to, to do the crazy articles you do every week. Uh, it's a lot of watching basketball, I will say. It's my wife is already contemplating divorce, if we're being honest. But <laughs> see, <laughs> no, I'm, a- I'm like in that fiance. Like I just got engaged in August, and I'm like just just praying that Laura is just you know so understanding of me having to travel around and then have to watch basketball and have to do this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you know, I'm very thankful that she hasn't rethought it yet. The best part is real quick just the dvr because you can only or we can only dvr two things at the same time so if there's like real housewives of orange county coinciding with two nba games it's it's trouble wait like, don't it's a you, bloodbath don't you have league pass i do but you know the app and the ipad i, I just like watching on dvr you can slow-mo mm. you, it's easier to rewind big screen but i do i do suffer sometimes and i'm forced to go to the ipad yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big, big league pass online guy. It doesn't, for whatever reason, some of the like buffering that people complain about and some of the, uh, like problems that people have, like I've never really had them show off over here. I don't even think it's like a show off. Like I, I, I'm still like, trying to figure out like what, what are the problems here that people have? Um, such a humble brag, such a humble brag, the, the patented league pass, humble brag. Uh, so Toronto is Probably the best team in the NBA right now, Uh, depending on just what your thoughts are on the Warriors generally. I would understand if you would just say, you know, flat out until Kevin Durant leaves and until, uh, you know, these guys prove to be problematic enough. Uh, The Warriors are the best team, but the Raptors are at least playing like the best team right now. And I think that that is worth bringing up and talking about. They're sitting at, I believe, 21 and five after last night's win over the Sixers, right? Correct. And... Just everything about 
this roster and the way that this team has been constructed is just super, super fun to me. Uh, Nick Nurse has just been absolutely unbelievable in every way so far. He's pushed all the right buttons. They're sitting in third on offense. They're sitting in uh, seventh on defense. They have a 7.7 net rating that is second behind the Bucks, uh in the NBA right now. Where are we at on the Raptors? It, to me, the addition of Kawhi Leonard has, I guess, kind of changed their calculus in so many obvious ways but the biggest one is that i believe in this group a lot more when it's going to come down to playoff time uh than i did in the past where are you at on what you've seen so far from toronto right so i mean Kawhi, you, you nailed it on the head for me that's just a transformative transaction for that organization he is in like on any given day you know you can say Anthony Davis is the best player in the world. Giannis is the best player in the world. LeBron is the best player in the world. Like for my money, more nights this season than anybody else. I'll take Kawhi Leonard at his best. Uh, I mean, in terms of man, like he, he cons- brings yeah, it every exa- night. Exactly. Yes, and uh, you know, both ends, he is phenomenal. Uh, I'm writing a piece on him right now that I don't want to step on too much with the Raptors in uh, Brooklyn tomorrow. But just his ability to get any shot he wants outside of San Antonio's system where, you know, it it was very, you know, catch and catch the ball, make a quick decision. And Mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto, we're seeing him really unleash his handle more so than in San Antonio at earlier points in his career. And it's just it's it's incredible. I mean, this is the best I think he's ever played. Um, you know, he's, he's recovered from a poor shooting start to, to, to begin the season. And now you obviously cannot leave him alone. He's a knockdown three point shooter. Uh, the game against the golden state warriors, where he went toe to toe with Kevin Durant down the stretch, obviously, uh, Draymond and Steph Curry did not play in that game, but the way that those two just went toe to toe, uh, it was, I mean, it was that's like basket peak basketball, like for me. And uh, speaking, just you know, big picture. Obviously, Kawhi is a free agent after this season, but uh, you know, if he's all in, as you, you know, you just talked about Nick Nurse getting everyone to buy in and, and pressing all the right buttons. Uh, you know, getting Kawhi on the same page as everybody. Uh, you know, not really having to overhaul the offense at all uh, to kind of fit him in and replace DeMar DeRozan, who was a staple there for so many years, is just, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a coach of the year worthy job by Nick Nurse. And this team is incredibly deep. Uh, Kyle Lowry has played uh, tremendous basketball this year. Pascal Siakam is basically a lock to win most improved player. Um, they're great. I don't know what else you can say about them. They're just a great basketball team. Well, let's, let's talk about Kyle real quick, because okay. Kyle's role has completely changed first and foremost like he's just not shooting as much uh he's leading the nba in assists per game if i remember correctly and this was a guy where the organization traded his best friend in the world uh demar Derozan, without really telling anyone on the team and like kyle has gone about it being a complete professional and being as adult as humanly possible about it uh you know he, he did mention quickly to Rachel Nichols that like, Hey, you know, I don't really have a relationship with Masai Ujiri, but he's not letting any of that get in the way of what has been just an unbelievable season for him so far. Uh, he's again, like it's worth noting, like he's not shooting 
super well this year necessarily. So like maybe it is a good thing that he has been so willing to wholly adjust his role and wholly change what it is he does and become like this super high level distributor. But at the same time, I think that he deserves just an unbelievable amount of credit for what has been. Uh, it could it could have gone a totally different way with Kyle Lowry. This is a guy who's been temperamental in the past, and instead he has matured. He is almost thirty three years old, and he is playing maybe not the best basketball of his career because that like twenty sixteen seventeen season before he got hurt was unbelievable. But it's it's really good. I mean, he's tremendous. And he, you know, we talk about, you know, most underrated players in the league. He's perennially in that conversation for me. He's, as you said, leading the league in assists uh, at a mark that's four assists per game above his career average. Um, I mean, I don't know. With, with, with Lowry, he's just, he's a masterful floor general, um, really gets guys in their spots correctly. Uh, we haven't really seen too much of the Lowry plus bench because it's more kind of uh, turned into a kind of like a Kawhi plus bench. But, you know, they, they've they've battled injuries and he's kind of, uh, you know, he has been the, I, I don't I, I want to say he's like the, the captain, but just the fact that he has been able to not let, you know, Jonas Valanciunas could be really upset with getting a demotion. And I don't, I don't know the inner workings of their locker room, but the fact that, Everything is kind of stabilized, and and Nick Nurse's decisions to move Ananobi and, and Valanciunas to the bench have not disrupted any 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 uh, you know imbalanced chemically the the roster. Uh, I give credit a little bit to the you gotta give credit to the point guard in that situation. And so Kyle has, uh, in addition to being you know as you said, not necessarily lights out from deep or shooting the ball as well as he can. I will say that you know. Quick aside, like he he takes some ridiculous shots, <laughs> and, I, and I think that it's you know the the pull ups and in, in transition, um, you know, the, for him to shoot above forty percent from deep is just it's asking a lot. But in terms of his playmaking, all the little things he does, the charges, um, the his ability to switch. There was a play last last night last night's game where he switched onto Wilson Chandler and like bumped Wilson Chandler two steps out and forced a turnaround jumper. Uh, that's just the type of stuff that not a lot of players his size and league history yeah. have been able to do, and he deserves a lot of credit for pulling it off consistently. Yeah, so his first year in Toronto was 2012-2013. Uh, every year since that year, he has been at least, uh, he's had at least a plus four on-off rating. Each of the last four years, he's had at least a plus seven on-off rating. Uh this guy, every single minute that he's on the floor, the Raptors are going to beat their opposition. And I think that, you know, you can point to the teammates, obviously. He plays with a ton of really good teams. He's played with a lot of really talented guys. But the Raptors over the years have utilized him in just such a variety of different ways. Like you said last year, they utilized him with, uh, or even really the last two years, they utilized the Lowry plus the bench unit uh, pretty regularly and pretty substantially. So it wasn't just like he was playing with the starters. This year it's been mostly with the starters and they've shifted Kawhi to the bench uh, or Kawhi with the bench unit. Like just Every single minute that this guy's on the floor, he knows exactly where everyone's going to be. He's going to get them the ball in the absolute best spot that he can possibly get them in. And if Kyle Lowry is on the floor at this stage, you should feel confident that your team is going to beat the opposition when he's out there. Uh, and it's going to be in large part due to his contributions on the floor. Yeah. And I mean, 
the on-off numbers are absolutely ridiculous. They're just, you know, they're they're that he's not going to win MVP, but those are MVP on-off numbers that he has. Uh, when I look at him, you know, uh, the thing is just like with this whole Raptors organization is, you know, Kyle is kind of like a bellwether, particularly in the postseason. And, yeah. you know, last year he was lights out. He That was probably his best postseason performance. And it was marred in the end by LeBron James, as, as a lot of things are in the NBA. Um, but the previous two years, he was pretty bad. And that's just kind of, you know, that reputation is still sticks with him. He did not really shake it last year because of even, you know, he was by far their best player throughout the playoffs uh, and played, you know, considerably well in that Cleveland series. And if Jonas Valanciunas tips in the ball at the end of game one, like this might be just a completely different conversation. Um, but, you know, as well as he's played throughout the first 20, 26 games of the year, about, I guess, um, you know, it's 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 in the end of the, at the end of the day, it's just how how consistent will he be throughout their playoff run because they need him. Um, depth is is critical, obviously, to get through the regular season. But at the end of the day, if you want to beat a team like Philly and Milwaukee and Boston, these teams that have uh, a lot of star power at the top. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry needs to be playing at a like peak all-star level when it matters most. And I guess we'll see if that happens. It's kind of crazy to me that Kyle only has one all NBA season. Uh, he's been the best player up until this season, at least on what has been a consistent 50 game winner for what, five years now. And that's what happens when you're perennially underrated. It it really is just crazy. Yeah, like he he has been uh, maybe the most underappreciated star. I guess he is a star. Like he's a star for sure, four-time all-star. But it's really interesting if you talk to guys. uh, I had a long conversation with CJ Miles last year about this. Guys just legit feel overlooked playing in Toronto and playing in Canada, Mm -hmm. and you know that's where he's had his best NBA. Uh, his best time in the NBA has been in Toronto. That's where he's kind of become this uh, all-star caliber player. Um, and so I don't know how much of uh, a factor that is, but I do think that, that that plays a role. I mean, if he was on the Knicks when they there was that, the rumors of, of that transaction happening a few years yeah. back and he played this well, he'd be a household name. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let's be serious. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, the other guy that I want to point out, you mentioned Pascal Siakam. I think that's just like very obvious at this stage, right? Like Pascal has been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, you said that it would be a shock if anyone else won most improved player of the year. Uh, it's early. I don't know. We'll see. He's been unbelievable. Uh, sure. He's legit like probably a top like 60 player in the NBA right now. Something like that. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, like, I don't know if I would say he's like an all-star necessarily, which is where you get into like top 30, but he's probably that level right below all-star. Uh, just the way that he has been able to efficiently score. He is an awesome lob threat. He can step away and knock down threes. He can, uh, you know, really, really defend. He can be a multi-positional defender. You can play him at the five. You can play him uh, all the way to threes pretty consistently because of his quickness. He's just, he, he's an absolute monster. I mean, 
the all-star thing is pretty interesting. I mean, he doesn't really have the, the raw numbers that you need to get to that level, which is fine. Like, who cares? He doesn't play that many minutes because the, the Raptors are so good and he doesn't really need to play big fourth quarter minutes. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, in the Eastern Conference, uh, if the if the Raptors keep playing this well, and, I mean, it's a team that probably deserves three all-stars he's a huge reason why they're this successful and you know at, at the beginning of the season like you know he, there was some hype about him coming into this year for sure uh, yeah and i wrote yeah. about him yeah like a I, little bit i went and talked i went i didn't talk to him but like i went down to ucla down here and he's a regular mm-hmm. at the runs out here uh in the summer right he, yeah he was he looked like he'd taken a leap I will say that. Like even this summer, he looked like he had uh, become a guy who's going to be a consistent NBA starter this year. Yeah, and uh, you know the the kick ahead plays that Kyle Lowry and him would execute uh, early in the season. I kind of just thought that that was what he was. He was kind of an energy guy. He'd, he'd he'd leak out. He'd be able to get easy buckets in transition. It was just a nice thing to see him him use his athleticism and his confidence. But like he is, he's so much more than that. I, I mean, his spin move is like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook right now. It's <laughs> it's legit unstoppable. Uh, I am Paul here Millsap. for that. <laughs> Have that be the tagline for this podcast episode. <laughs> um, his his uh, like what he did to Paul Millsap in the the game against the Nuggets uh, earlier this week, which for my money was the most entertaining game I've seen this season, maybe. Um, actually, that's probably not true. I mean, the, the Raptors Warriors game was really good, but uh, that game was really great. And Millsap was defending him. Paul Millsap, who is still uh, a very good defensive player, uh, he made him look like Jabari Parker for moments in that game. Um, <laughs> like they knew the the spin move was coming, and Millsap was just helpless. And it. it's like. I don't know how to stop this guy because people sag off him. And people will continue to sag off him uh, for I don't even know how long. Um, definitely into the playoffs, um, and he'll either take the open three, and you know he's making it at a not a great clip. Uh, there's clearly not a lot of confidence in that shot right now. He's shooting 33% from deep, on less than two attempts per game. Um, but he'll just attack you off the bounce, and he'll get right to the rim because he's super strong. Super strong super long super athletic and people that size should not be as quick as he is and no one can really guard him at that position it's it's amazing to see so to do like just a quick like eastern conference all-star parade Kyrie for sure from boston correct sure, yeah uh yeah. who uh, probably al from boston right uh i don't i don't think al's having an all-star year to be honest i think the celtics only get one you think the celtics all-star. only get one i have to i, I have not thought about this at all but I, they have not played great, great so far. No, um, they haven't. That's true. But I'm just like assuming that they're going to figure things out here in like mid-December. Sure. You would, I mean, you would think that Gordon would have been that guy and it's probably too late for him to reverse the narrative. Um, yeah. If anyone was going to be a second player on Boston, it would probably still be, still be Horford. So let's say one from Boston. Oladipo okay. two. Depot's hurt, but let's assume that like he might be able to get back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kawhi. Lowry from Toronto, Giannis mm-hmm. and Middleton from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Blake, and what do you think of Drummond? Uh, I think Blake is good. <laughs> I'm, w- I'm with you on that for that. what it's worth, so yeah. let's say seven. Uh, Kemba, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid. That's ten. Mm-hmm. 
And then like we get into like, would you say Ben Simmons or Pascal this year? And like Ben Simmons has not been awesome for the last really like month. That's a tough one because I mean, they're, they're obviously very, very different players. Um, they play very different roles for their teams. Um, but they're both also the third best player mm-hmm. on their respective team. And the Raptors are a lot, a lot better. Um, so it's like crazy. I don't think anyone in, in the league, any GM in the league would take Siakam if they were starting a team right. tomorrow over Ben Simmons. But that's not really necessarily what we're talking about so i mean it sounds crazy but it really isn't to have siakam make the all-star team over simmons if that's what it came down to i think i would still take ben but Mm -hmm. like i do think it's at least like a conversation um busevich yeah so we got who who, how many other how many more pieces do we need to fill here so we have 10 so far okay so busevich gotta throw him in there so that's 11 um I mean, we're look Washington. We have Wall and probably Beale. Bradley Beal. Beal will probably make it. Um, yeah, <laughs> dude, the East is the East is something. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Knicks have <laughs> Emmanuel Mudiay, like Tim Hardaway Jr. It's like these guys aren't all stars, but we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get a funky all star. Like, uh, does D'Angelo like keep just rolling like crazy? And maybe make a push. Karis Levert would have made it, I think, if he didn't get hurt. Um, the Nets are just so bad that I don't think they're going to get an All Star. I don't That'd think be so tough. either. Unless like D'Angelo is averaging twenty by the All Star, like twenty and like six by the All Star break, which <laughs> might, but I don't know. We'll see. Miami yeah, probably this... shouldn't get an All Star. Atlanta shouldn't get an All Star. Uh, no. Do we need Zach Levine? Uh, that's a good, uh, yeah, I was just looking down, they're 5 and 20, I mean, Levine could make it, but it would be more like of a by default situation, and I don't think he'd be like a true all-star, but I mean, we're gonna get some guys, I mean, his numbers are definitely all-star worthy, um, nearly, nearly 25, 5 and 5, that's, (laughs) I mean, that's an all-star. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he'll. I, I gotta say, he'll probably make it, even though his three point shooting has really tailed off. Yeah. Um, the other guy I want to bring up on Toronto is Serge Ibaka. He's kind of, you know, early in the year he was not starting, obviously, and he could have kind of gone into a shell. And right now, I think he's probably having his best season in a long time. Like he's not even shooting well from three and you know, he might be having his best season since the Oklahoma city days. Yeah. I, uh, he's really not shooting threes, which is really interesting because he's 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 still like two and a half a game, but he's only shooting 28% from three. But like, I agree with you. The volume has really dropped in terms of the percentage of shots he's taken from three. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just from last year to this year, so last year, 22% of his shots were at the rim. That number's up 14% this year. And last year, 36% of his shots were threes. That number is legit sliced in half, Yeah, uh, if my math is correct. So um, getting shots at the rim when you're a big, I mean, he's playing exclusively at the five uh, this year, really. Yeah. and sometimes he'll guard fours because Siakam can him and Siakam can switch a little bit. But I mean, it's just you gotta just look at like, is this just because of Kawhi? I mean, it, like the Kawhi effect and just the intense gravity that that guy 
creates more so than um, Demar ever did because you know the difference between those two is you know Demar would get his numbers for sure and he was a pretty good playmaker especially last year but like the shots that he would take defenses would you know they'd they be fine with them invite it but yeah like they would say you know what this is a contested semi contested 20 footer okay but with it. like with Kawhi, you just don't like every shot is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's a it's a totally different type of uh, issue or dilemma for a defense. And I I guess you know you you add someone like Danny Green also who yeah. we have not even discussed and the gravity that that he creates and, and the season that he's having. Um, Remember and just when more, people th- thought Danny Green was just like a throw in in that trade? That was. That was wrong from the jump, I thought. Like, I wrote that Danny Green is valuable. I know how he's played in C- San Antonio the last couple of years. There's there's no way this guy's done, like, totally. No, you're spot on. Um, I mean, look at the Spurs, which I think we're going to talk about soon, and this might be a good point to segue, yeah. but, like, they literally have no wings in 2018, and they want to win basketball games, and you you can't do that. It's impossible. So, so, yeah, like, I kind of assumed the Spurs, and you're right, let's just transition. I kind of assumed the Spurs would be okay uh, defensively this year because I genuinely think that Greg Popovich is maybe the best defensive coach in NBA history. If you look at what his numbers are uh, defensively and how many top three finishes, how many number one finishes, uh, the fact that before this season, I think he's only had one season out of 20-plus um, where they finished outside of the top half. I just kind of assumed that he'd figure it out. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I mean, they're clearly missing Kyle Anderson. They're clearly missing Danny Green. Um, You know, they play Dante Cunningham, uh, big minutes as as a wing. Uh, Rudy Gay is a four now. You can't really play him at the three. He can't guard threes. Um, they Marco really Bellinelli's missed... playing 21 minutes. Yeah, that's that's trouble. There's just no ball containment. Um, you know, they they obviously missed Dejounte Murray. That's not uh, a brilliant thing to say, but I thought that DeRozan would be a little bit better on defense, particularly on the ball. Yeah. Uh, he has not been good. Uh, you know, but it's a, it's a lot of stuff that you know when you watch the identity of a uh, a Greg Popovich team. You know, they don't. They don't foul. They get back in transition. They do all of the little things. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder were in town uh, this week, and I'm writing a piece about their defense, and that's one of the things that they are, have really focused on. They, you know, they don't want to foul. They want to get back in transition. Just a lot of, like, the little. They want a defensive rebound. Um, the Spurs just have lost the thread on all of that, and, and uh, you know, they're, everyone talks about their offense, and sure, it's not great when you – lead the league in long twos and you're last in threes and shots at the rim. That's just like, that's awful. You're not going to be good. Um, but the defense, you know, it, it's just like the little things, the discipline things, the, they, it just like, they've completely fallen off with that. And when you combine it with the personnel that they have, it's, that's why they have the worst defense in the entire NBA. So uh, let's talk about the shot distribution with the Spurs first. Um, when you trade for DeMar DeRozan and you employ LaMarcus Aldridge, you can expect a lot of mid-range shots. That's not really breaking news here, I don't think. Uh, the problem is that in addition to those guys, like they just don't have many other guys that will consistently be willing to take threes other than Patty Mills and Bryn Forbes. Like Those guys will pull and they'll be happy to pull. And uh, I guess that Davis Berton's take 
dots from three too. But you know, Dante Cunningham takes like a random amount of mid-range jumpers, and Rudy Gay obviously is taking a ton of mid-range jumpers because that's what Rudy Gay does too. Like, it's hard. You know, Derek White takes a bunch of those shots too, even when he's on the floor. It's it's frustrating to watch the Spurs offense in so many ways. Like, there are times where it's extremely creative because. Popovich is unbelievable and can find really interesting ways to get guys looks. But then you just watch them devolve into this like, okay, Damar is going to take two steps in from the three point line and pull from 18 feet because that's the shot the defense wants him, wants him to take. And I don't really think you can fix that with this roster. Earlier in the year, I thought that there was something cooking with the Damar Lamarcus pick and roll. They had kind of an instant chemistry there. Um, that's no no longer the <laughs> the case. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Lamarcus, well, Lamarcus last, he started so well this year too. Yeah, he's you know last year for for my money that was the best season of his entire career, and you know he slipped I think considerably. Um, not hit you know his 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 skill is just hitting these ridiculously difficult uh mid post turnarounds and those are not falling so uh as they did last year so you know he's a guy who uh is not really getting to the he doesn't have the space around him to really navigate the post as he did last season uh it's i mean the the for the spurs to have success on offense first of all you know, when they got DeMar, I kind of assumed that even though the shot profile of DeMar and LaMarcus is the mid-range, and I, you know, I figured they would take a lot of mid-range shots, but I also thought that there would be an adjustment, and, you know, DeMar gravitated a little bit more towards the three-point line last year. Uh, I anticipated that that would continue, or at least, you know, plateau, Instead, he's gone in the opposite direction. I thought that LaMarcus, who has shown he can hit threes, would move out a little bit more and be a a little bit more of a stretch big and kind of modernize his game naturally. That has not happened. He does not shoot threes at all. The Uh, big problem with that, though, is that I actually don't really blame LaMarcus for not stepping back. Because he is to be responsible for creating so much offense that I think it's just hard for big guys like that to create offense from the three-point line, right? Uh, It's because the Spurs just have no other natural shot creators other than DeMar and LaMarcus. Like, I guess you could say, like, occasionally Rudy can create a shot. Derek White hasn't been great at creating shots yet when he's been on the floor. I think he's played, like, 400 minutes this year or something like that. Um Mm -hmm. You know, like Patty Mills isn't a guy who's going to create his own look. So a lot of the time they have to get the ball in LaMarcus's hands where he has to create a shot. And typically he can't really create a shot posting from 28 feet. But you would think that, you know, they could have a wrinkle where, you know, a DeMar, um, DeMar LA pick and pop for three, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And sure. That you, yeah. Just, they just don't have anything like that in their offense. And Greg Popovich has spoken out against the three point shot, uh, basically saying that it is, you know, sucked all the beauty out of the sport, which, uh, some will agree with some will be willing to debate, but you know, you need it to win regardless yeah. in today's league. And if anyone said that other than pop, that coach would have gotten just like, fucking destroyed for yeah, saying well that. he can say whatever he wants yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you're probably the best coach of all time yeah. um but 
you know, I, I think it's so early in the year, but when I just look at the Spurs, I'm like, why would you make a trade to get better? Like, if you're going to make a trade and you're the Spurs, let's go in the opposite direction. Right now, they're 14th in the Western Conference, and, you know, they're two games back of a playoff spot, but you've got, you know, the Rockets right in front of you. You've got the Jazz right in front of you. Um, all the teams that are in the playoffs right now, uh, what the top eight teams, they're all really good. I mean, maybe the Mavericks fall off, but all those other teams are just, like, real good teams, uh, quality teams that, you know, I don't figure to go into a deep slump. So... If you're the Spurs, just like, I, I mean, check out what the trade market says about Bellinelli. Check out what it says about Rudy Gay. Um, you know, you're probably not going to get a ton back. You have the Raptors pick, which is going to be probably the 30th pick. Uh, you have your own pick. Um, well, here, here, I don't know. Like, just tr- treat this as a, as a bridge year. I actually kind of think that LaMarcus might have some value on the market. And, and the reason I say that is that... Oh, I, I agree. First of all, I agree, but I don't think they should trade him. But continue. Okay. Well, why don't you think they should look into it at least? I think if you're this team, uh, you know, you have DeMar, you have LaMarcus. And I think if you're the Spurs, what you should be thinking about now is, okay, so our team next year, uh, you know, LaMarcus is still quality. DeMar will be still quality. Mean, LaMarcus will be 34, but still quality player. Uh, DeMar will still be a quality player. We'll get DeJounte Murray back, who supposedly has added an outside shot to his game. And no one knows what he'll look like, but defensively, we kind of we know what we have there, um, and we'll see how he he comes back from the torn ACL. But let's assume that he's he's on schedule and excuse me plays at a you know a, a higher level than or the level that a lot of people anticipated him breaking out and and becoming this season. So you have those three. You have your own pick if you you know quote unquote tank this season, which could be you know a top eight top seven pick Uh, and you know more about who's coming into the league and who will be in this draft uh, than I do but you know the Spurs uh, you know they haven't been able to add a a blue chip piece like that in I guess since Kawhi when they traded George Hill Um, you have Lonnie Walker who uh, has not played a minute this season who's been hurt Uh, he'll be back Uh, so I think like if you just keep everything together you can still be a pretty damn good basketball team next year you know, you add, you look at the weaknesses on the team, you add a wing or two here and there, you know, they, they could take almost anybody, um, you know, someone like Wesley Johnson, just like any wing, like they don't have any wings. So you just look at the roster, you add a wing, you, you I mean, it's, it's not out of the question for this team to turn it around uh, in one year by basically doing, you know, nothing major. Yeah, I think that that's reasonable. I do. I just don't know if they can get bad enough this year to where they end up like in the bottom seven, we'll say. Just because like Chicago is really fucking bad. Um, The Cleveland Cavaliers are really bad. Atlanta's really bad. If you don't trade LaMarcus and DeMar, I don't see how you get worse than Miami. Uh, Phoenix is obviously really bad. We assume at some point the Kings fall off, right? Okay, so, but... Like, it's, okay. it's just hard to, like, the, get there, though, you know? Right, but, but the Spurs have the... It's really early, so take this with a grain of salt. But the Spurs have the third hardest schedule from here on out. Okay. They're in the West. Miami's in the East. New York's in the East. Brooklyn's in the East. These teams are, like... I don't know. I mean, I get with what, what you're saying, for sure. But I could see San Antonio... I mean, look at the, the point total San Antonio has given up. This is a really bad 
basketball team. Miami has played poorly because, you know, they've battled some legitimate inju- injuries to, you know, Goran Dragic. They've pl- had lineups that legitimately don't have point guards in them. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, I think, you know, they're right now San Antonio is a game better than the Heat, um, three games better than the Knicks. Like, I could totally see them sliding and be finishing with the seventh, maybe even the sixth worst record in the league this year. Hmm. I could be wrong. I yeah. am very often. Yeah, the West is hard, just generally. Like, the West is very difficult. But, like, didn't John Hollinger do, like, a study that says, like, no no conference differential is worth more than, like, three games or something in terms of, like, wins and losses? Three games could be a big deal, though. It could be. That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um Let's move on, but before we do, let's talk to you about RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. Uh, they want to build things the right way. They believe in the power of transparency and let the core ingredients do all of the talking. They list them on the front of the packaging and they list the taste ingredients on the back. You would recognize an RX Bar at the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and spices, like sea salt and cinnamon, because it turns out that Real food ingredients actually taste great. They're great for a number of occasions, breakfast on the go, snacks at the office, uh, just to throw in the bag for a plane ride. You can toss them in your backpack for a bike ride or a hike, or they can be a pre and post workout snack. They come in 14 delicious flavor varieties, mango, pineapple, chocolate, hazelnut, uh, peanut butter and berries. They also have some seasonal flavors as well as 13 other uh, delicious flavor varieties or 11 others. However many I said, subtract that from 14. Uh, and now RX Bars debuted RX Bar Nut Butter. It's squeezable and spreadable. It Pairs great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. They have uh, honey, cinnamon, peanut butter, peanut butter, and vanilla almond butter. I'm a big fan of RX Bar. I eat uh, their products very regularly here at the house in Hollywood. So uh, for 25% off of your first order of the best seller variety pack, visit rxbar.com slash game theory and enter that promo code game theory at checkout. This is valid in the U.S. only and for a limited time. That's rxbar.com slash game theory and enter that promo code game theory at checkout. 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack. Mike, let's talk about, I'll ask you, do you want to talk about the Pacers or do you want to talk about the Wolves first? Let's do, uh, let's do the Wolves. So the Wolves have been sneaky interesting since the Jimmy Butler trade. I believe they're eight and three since that went down. Second highest net rating in the NBA. Yes, uh, and a big part of that has actually been the defense. They have the second best defense in the NBA since that trade occurred. Uh, a big part of that is obviously Robert Covington playing uh, just out of his mind on the defensive end, and he's always been an elite-level defender. Uh, he made first-team all-defense last year. If he keeps this up, he's the defensive player of the year in the NBA. Like, I'm just flat out saying it. He has been unbelievable on defense so far since he's been there. Uh Dario Saric has been what basically we expected of him. Uh, He's shooting it a little bit better. That's starting to revert. He's a creative offensive player. And then the kind of jump that we expected from Carl Towns has occurred uh, since Jimmy Butler got traded. Uh, He's been just much more aggressive, much more active, and looks like he actually enjoys playing basketball again. I mean, Towns, uh, you you tweeted my thing. 
just watching Towns, every time he does something that I haven't seen him do before, it's really exciting because then you kind of just remember who this guy, like what the hype was all about with this guy because the narrative has really taken a negative dark turn over the past, I'd say, what, like 18 months-ish, 12, maybe 12 months. Yeah, I'm um, still 100% in on Carl Towns. Like, Hey, as you should be, as yeah. everyone should be. He I is... Mean, I think he is going to be like a straight up Hall of Famer. I have like very few doubts. He is still, this has nothing to do with making the Hall of Fame or not, but he has still not missed a game in his entire career, which, yeah. I mean, that's the best availability, or I don't even know what the saying was. I just completely butchered it, but uh, you know the what The best skill is availability. The best skill is availability. That is exactly right. And also when you're seven feet tall with elite post moves, uh, your, your ability to take guys off the dribble, you can shoot threes at a 40% clip. Uh, you know, you're a ridiculously good basketball player. Uh, you know, he fouls too much. He still chases blocks a little bit too much. But, you know, the defense has been incredible uh, since Jimmy went, <clears throat> since the Jimmy trade. And he, he's been better on that end. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, like, he's turned into some incredible positive on the defensive end since the Jimmy Butler trade, but he looks a little bit more active. Uh, he still does fall for that, like, bullshit pump fake, and yep. he'll chase, like you said. But, like, you know what? He's been a lot more solid, I would say, positionally than what you've seen from the past in Carltown. Yeah, I'm just waiting for... Um, I'm waiting for Tibbs to... Uh, start Sarich in place of Taj Gibson, make Taj Gibson their backup five, and just don't play Gorgie Jang anymore because I think that's the best version of this team. Um, it would be nice for Tibbs to to uh, to give that a shot uh, because the numbers when Towns and Sarich are both on the floor are just like astronomical. They're they're destroying everybody. Um, I love Taj. Uh, but I just think that, you know, Sarich, Covington, Wiggins, Teague, um, then you get to play Gibson as a, as a, as a backup five when uh, D Rose comes in the game. I just think it's a, that's kind of, I, I feel like this team has more that it can, it can be. And we haven't even seen the best yet, uh, which is really scary because they played so well over the past uh, couple weeks. Um, what do but, we do with Andrew Wiggins? <laughs> uh, you know, it would be really, uh, yeah. I mean, the, it, it would be easier to be patient with him if it wasn't for this contract, which yeah. the contract is probably the worst thing that Thibodeau has done um, since he came to Minnesota. I, I mean, it was kind of inexplicable the moment it happened. You didn't need to do that. and <laughs> uh, Yeah, like I, I don't know who was giving him a four-year max. And just like let the let the season play out. I, I don't. He's restricted. I mean, I, I just didn't understand that at all. Yeah. It pissed off Jimmy Butler. Um, obviously, I think that's clear to anyone looking at the situation. And uh, he's, you know, I'm not like one of those people that's completely given up on Andrew Wiggins and think he's he's just a bad basketball player. But it's it's really difficult when you look at how the CBA is. Uh, is kind of structured to prevent i mean once you pay a guy that much money he needs to be like a certified all-star yeah. for you to be a good team uh, or you really need to make hits on the margins like derrick rose at the contract he's on that's you know that's a grand slam but it's just really difficult to build a quality basketball team when you're paying a guy who's probably you know 
his, his overall impact is probably average, maybe slightly below average when you're paying him that much money. Not to say that he's a finished product or anything like that, but but right now it's it's a uh, it's an ugly, ugly contract. I mean, I, I've been a Andrew Wiggins defender for a while. Uh, his last ten games, he's at fourteen points, three rebounds, two and a half assists on a robust shooting line of thirty six, thirty two, and sixty seven. It's not great. Um, he's just not getting better on defense. Uh, and here's the other problem here. Like he turns 24 in February. Uh, I'm not saying the guys can't get better from the time they turn 24 until the time they turn 27 even, but like we're, we're getting to the point where the typical developmental curve starts to flatten a little bit. And I just don't know what is there that's left for him. I would like him to get better i I would like to see him uh start to defend uh he has started to make more threes this year over the larger sample of 100 shots that he's taken like he's hit 37 percent uh he's been a better three-point shooter over the course of the last three years he's been pretty darn close to league average as a three-point shooter at 35 percent so like look there 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 are signs that are good there it's real hard it's real tough right now for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he's shooting uh, below 40% from two, which is... That should um, be impossible for him. It's really, really tough to do. Especially for... I mean, he takes a lot of really tough superstar shots, you know, contested turnarounds, uh, like Kobe Bryant prime fadeaways that just don't go in at he the clip that you need them to. Six eight with a seven two wingspan and is like maybe the quick twitchiest athlete like in the NBA. Maybe not that much anymore, but like he is he's unbelievable in terms of his athleticism. Go to the fucking yeah. basket. Like <laughs> get out in transition. Run. It drives me crazy. He's he's driving me nuts slowly but surely. I fi- I thought he would figure some of this stuff out, and he's just not figuring it out. He's so even after Jimmy Butler was traded, he's still not the second best player on the team, and I, I, it's like not even close. Oh, he's um, like not the fourth best player on the team right now. Who you go? Would you say Towns, Covington, Rose, and Jeff Teague? Oh my god, yeah. Like Jeff Teague is probably a more effective player right now than. Andrew Wiggins. It's close. It's yeah, it's close. Um, and the fact that it's close is a problem. And the fact that Jeff Teague is six foot one and is shooting four percent higher from two point range than Andrew Wiggins is a problem. That's not great. Uh, this is the first year of Wiggins' career where he's taking more threes than long twos, which is a step in the right direction. Um, but he's just not. He's like not making anything. So yeah, it's a um, problem. It, it's 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 not great. I can't. There's really not much more to say about him either. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's it sucks. <laughs> well, let's be positive for a minute here and talk about uh, again. Just Robert Covington, just unbelievable so far on defense. He has totally reshaped the way that this team defends in general. Uh, he has just his like activity level. Like he's him and Taj out there. They're they're truly leaders defensively it seems like in a way that we haven't seen in a while minnesota's defense when robert covington is not on the floor so before he got there and since he's been there 117 defensive rating when he's on the floor 102.9 defensive rating for minnesota that would be uh, i believe top three in the nba so he's just he's everything that you can hope for if you're trying to reshape a defense 
Yeah, I saw uh, Ben Golliver. His first piece, I think, for the Washington Post uh, was a quarter season awards column, and he had Robert Covington as the defensive player of the year. You said that you you think Covington is the defensive player of the year. Uh, He's been pretty damn good. Pretty damn good defensive player on the ball, off the ball, wreaking havoc. Uh, Whenever I watch the Wolves, though, you know, the Wolves have been a team since Thibodeau got there that, you know, has been very hesitant to take just like basic smart threes, be they in transition. They're not enjoyable to watch. No. And, you know, Covington just he's playing like, you know, he's wearing a Sixers jersey. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, he's playing that style. And that that I think that that has infused the team in a way that um, that can't be overlooked, and and his impact on the offensive end with those threes because he's hitting threes at a, at a very high rate, and he takes tough ones, he takes quick ones, um, and it's good to see someone do that because it, it's just a different it's a different type of basketball player than Jimmy Butler was, who would you know he'd like to hold it more he dribble more um Covington doesn't really need to dribble he catches the ball he looks at the rim he's like can I hit this and in a split second if the answer is yes then he lets the ball go towards the basket um very well, simple and, and you know what else he does that Jimmy doesn't really do and this isn't a slight at Jimmy Butler but Robert Covington is a much better team defender than what Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler is a much better one-on-one defender and to be honest like I think Jimmy's style of defense is probably more translatable to being successful in the playoffs. But I think that Robert Covington's style of defense is more what Minnesota needed to cover up the holes that often happen with this group, where they struggle off ball, they struggle to really do, uh, to cover cracks and to uh, not get hit on backdoor cuts with like just lazy off ball defense. And I think that just having him around covering the holes and, you know, doing the little things like consistently digging down on post post guys and digging down on drivers like creating havoc with deflections it actually really does make a huge difference for this minnesota defense in a way that while jimmy is probably equally as good a defender as he is uh from a general perspective from like a thousand foot view i think that covington is a better defender for what minnesota needs no, that's totally fair. Uh, you know, throughout an 82-game regular season, for, I, I mean, pound for pound, I'll take Jimmy Butler's defense over Robert Covington's. That's not a slight to anybody. Uh, I think they're both great defenders. But, you know, as you said to your point, uh, you know, what they need Covington to do a lot is, you know, be on the ball for the primary ball handler. And that means, you know, tracking guys and pick and roll a ton. And, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy can do that. He can. But for him to... Uh, in that context, in Minnesota, do that, which is incredibly physically taxing, yeah. and then also be the number one play creator, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just ask. That's superhuman. And yeah. you know, Robert. Co- no one's asking Robert Covington to make plays out of the pick and roll, um, but for him to use his length, uh, chase guys, bother sh- bother guys from behind. Uh, you know, he's great lock and trail. Uh, he can get under a pick and then recover and still contest. Um, so he's 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 a great piece for that for sure, and that has had a, a, a humongous impact on the team defense. But but for my money, yeah, I mean Jimmy Butler uh, on ball, uh, as you said in the playoffs. I mean, last time he was in the playoffs, <clears throat> before but when he was in Chicago, I mean you put him on anybody and he's able to just shut them down. Yeah. And uh, I think he'll that's where his impact will be seen. Uh, in the playoffs this year in Philly where that they don't need to put Ben Simmons on Jason Tatum. They can throw, 
uh, <laughs> they can throw Jimmy on him, and it's it's uh, it's a much more effective equation. Yeah, and it's it's a significant problem whenever that is the case uh, for any opposing team. Uh, Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes instead of heading to the doctor year after year just to renew your prescription for something you wear every day. You can do it on your own time and terms in just a few minutes. This truly is vision care for the 21st century. Uh, why would you use Simple Contacts? It's convenient. It's fast. It's reliable. It offers choice and it's going to save you money. The vision test is only $20. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, uh, they're offering a promotion to listeners of the show. Uh, look, you're going to get $20 off if you use the promo code GAMETHEORY20 at simplecontacts.com. You go to simplecontacts.com slash GAMETHEORY20. Or you enter that code Game Theory Twenty at checkout, and you're going to get twenty dollars off of your first contact order over at Simple Contacts. It's a really, really great deal for everyone. And look, this is reliable. It's designed by ophthalmologists and licensed doctor reviews. Every test uh, for every test, so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. Uh, you know, it offers choice. It has all the brands and types of lenses that you need. I have an astigmatism in my right eye, and you know, it it has everything I need there. It, it's just a very, very good product. It's not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Uh, they only test that your prescription still helps you see 2020 and, and renew that prescription. They don't write completely new uh, scripts or examine eye health. So you still got to go to that doctor occasionally. But if you're just getting contacts, simplecontacts.com slash game theory 20 is where you want to go. Let's finish with the Pacers, Mike. Uh, the Pacers are just chugging along. They're 14 and 10. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you're talking about a net rating of, I think it's plus 3.7. Uh, you know, the win loss is right in line, expected with everything that you've seen so far. They're doing it without Victor Oladipo for the last third of the games that they've played, which makes this uh, slightly more impressive to me that they've been able to tread water and hold on as long as they have. Uh, the defense looks awesome the offense has been a problem without Vic but I just like the Pacers I really enjoy watching them play it like they play slow and they play ugly basketball often but like there's something about it and about how they work as a team that I really enjoy yeah they know what they are I, I think the uh the emergence of Sabonis as just a, a player who can be a fulcrum for an entire offense for stretches um, out of the high post, low post, uh, dribble handoffs. You know, yeah. He's just such a talent. I mean, he's one of the better passers at his position. Um, it's so funny to think about how the Oklahoma city thunder used him, uh, when he was a rookie, uh, just, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, shooting threes. I wrote about this, uh, in a column last week or two weeks ago, but there was, you know, he's only taken like, I don't know, six or seven threes. That might be even uh, an exaggeration this entire season. And he made one, I forget against two, and looked immediately looked over at uh, the Pacers bench and hit his chest as if to say, like, I, I know that's not my shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, like, he knows what he is and he's killing it right now. He's one of the most efficient players in the entire league. He's, uh, you know, six man is going to be a really ruthless race, but he's up there at the top for me. Uh, and, you know, the Pacers, when he's on the floor without Victor Oladipo, are still an extremely good basketball team, and we did not see that last year. They were, you know, when Victor took a seat, they really struggled on both ends, and this year, if you look at their expected win number, it's 50 with Oladipo on the floor, 
50 with Oladipo off the floor. So, uh, you know, they're not really depending on their best player right now, which is a good sign for sure. You know, they have depth. Um, I thought Tyreek Evans would be a lot better than he has been. It hasn't worked out necessarily to the degree I thought it would. Um, But, But but yeah. Even having him as someone who can just take a lot of guard usage on offense it really helps right now when Vic is out. Like it, even though he hasn't played super well, like if it's him or it's, you know, or it's Aaron holiday, who's been fine. I think like it does help to have Tyreek and I love Aaron holiday too. I think he's been a really useful rookie, but like, that's the difference, right? Between this year and last year, just having, having a better team first and foremost, but also having a warm body that you can allow to take on a lot of usage instead of Lance Stevenson. I was yeah, I was about to say that. Like sometimes we we analyze you know new players who are in a place and just how they're they're, they're meshing um, and impacting their new team. But sometimes like you know there's addition by subtraction, and you know <laughs> not that Lance Stevenson was you know a terrible basketball player last season, but Lance was pretty not good last year. <laughs> he's now he's. He's Lance Stevenson. He does Lance Stevenson things, and that's, uh, you know, live by Lance, die by Lance. And, uh, you know, his absence is, I think, kind of boosted the what the Pacers are trying to do this season. And it's, it's pretty clear when you watch them play. Um, the one player who, you know, kind of is a little discouraging uh, and, and a, a pretty big disappointment for me personally is Miles Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, they, you know, they gave him this $80 million contract, uh, and, you know, he just, he does not play big. He does not play his size on offense. Um, he shies away from contact. He uh, is not very good finishing uh, through contests, which, you know, usually he's the bigger player, the stronger player, and that's really not improved at all throughout his career uh he's basically a pick and pop big and you know he can roll and he can finish when the lane is clear uh but i don't know what you do there long term because sabonis is probably going if you don't extend sabonis uh sabonis is you know i would imagine if he continues to play like this this year is you know what maybe 10 percent better next year when he's like 24 years old or however old he'll be He's going to get a contract offer as a restricted free agent that is more money than Miles Turner just got. Uh, I don't think that that's that's crazy to say. And then what do you what do you do? You can't let Sabonis walk because he's your second best player. Um, I don't know what you How do. How dare you? How dare you I, disrespect Boyan like that? <laughs> Apologies, even though his little brother is a better basketball player than he is, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't know what you do there if you're the Pacers. I, I really don't because you can't, you know, the, when those two have been on the floor together, uh, the defense has been has been uh, encouraging. The offense has been completely wretched. And, you know, it'll be even worse in the playoffs, you would imagine. I don't think yeah. that they can play minutes together in the playoffs. Um, can, so, I, I will say for Miles, he has turned into, like, a very, very good rim protector. Uh, he, sure, yeah, like, sure. Not only just with block shots, but like even if you look at synergy, like 93rd percentile on shots around the basket that aren't post-ups, 92nd percentile defending post-ups, he, he is a good rim protector now. 
Uh, like he, to me, he is maybe not the piece defensively for them that has them third, but like, like Vic is still a better defender than what he is, I think. But he's, he's a really, really good defender. No, my, yeah, my criticisms with him and he's still 22 years old, I think are just like almost exclusively on the offensive end where I thought that he would, you know, year two, he was, he took a pretty big step and then it's just, it hasn't, you know, he's gotten worse. Um, every year offensively basically or or the same which is basically a negative um so i don't i don't know i mean he's not hitting threes um doesn't really take a bunch and it's just kind of like why i i get a little bit frustrated when you're a big who's pick and pop and you don't you're not willing to take the extra step behind the arc um yeah you know this offense could really use that spacing yeah no i agree with you um, if you look at his shot chart, he does take a lot of like 20 to 23 footers, uh, just worst shot in the league. Yeah. Just like right in front. He, he like goes like that shot, like right above the elbow essentially, which is just so, so hard to make consistently. Um, it's, you know, I understand that he feels comfortable there, but you got to expand that comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the Pacers, it's it's really interesting with them because we look at the East and, I mean, it's, I don't want to call the East wide open, but there are no, there's no Golden State Warriors in the East. Yeah. And so you have your top four, you have the Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, and Celtics. And then, you know, I would honestly slide a healthy Pacers team into that conversation. I think that they'll be, the team is Philly, Pacers. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I said the Sixers. Um, I would, I mean, like, they are built to, you know, grind you out in a seven-game series. They can play fast. They can play slow. um, They can play big. uh, They can have, you know, they have versatile pieces. I don't know if McDermott will be able to play big minutes in a playoff series, but that's another issue. Um, And... You know they have a lot of ball handlers. They have shooting. I don't know. They're they're a really really interesting team. And and if you don't have someone who can guard Sabonis on the block, he'll he'll eat you alive straight yeah. up. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what they look like in the playoffs, and I'm interested to see what they look like when Oladipo gets back. But I love the fact that they're treading water, and I think that it's worth noting that they're treading water without Victor Oladipo, and that says a lot. It does indeed, Sam. It does indeed. And like. You know what? You said that you would throw them into that mix. I agree with you. I think that like the East is a five team cutoff, right? Like I wouldn't throw Detroit into that like top six. I wouldn't throw no Orlando in there, obviously. No, um, no, no one like Charlotte. I think if you catch like Kemba fire for a seven game series entirely, like that's not a team I would necessarily want to play in the playoffs, but I mean, they're they're just not on the level. I don't think Charlotte is super interesting because they have. I mean, is Kemba the Kemba's easily one of the top five players in the conference? I'm trying to think if he's. I, I'd say he's probably fourth, fourth best player in the conference. Because what Giannis, Joel, um, Kawhi, Kawhi. That's basically it for me. I mean, you can. It's really interesting. Like if you if you wanted to swap Kemba and uh, Kyrie and just yeah. see what Kyrie would do in Charlotte, but. But you have to give Kemba his due. His numbers have been ridiculous. Um, the pull-up three, which has been talked about ad nauseum, has made him just an unguardable player. Yeah, uh, He really reminds me of what Isaiah Thomas did two years ago in Boston, the leap that he made into being a top-five MVP candidate. Um, Charlotte just can't close. Uh, 
which is like kind of crazy given that Kemba should be like the ultimate closer. But then look around and what else, (laughs) what else is there? I mean, what, what, what teams do is, you know, they trap him high and then he gives it up to Cody Zeller when Cody Zeller is hurt. Uh, you know, he gives it up to MKG and then those guys have to make the decisions and it's just, it's, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see if they make a move that's, that's, you know, uh, a, a more win now move this season. Um, they're good though. I, I do like them. I, their record should be, should be higher than what it is. They have uh, bordering on a top five offense, league average defense, uh, coach of the year candidate at the helm for them. Uh, but I just, I, I think Indiana with like, if Kemba went down, like that team would just like, if they, if, if Kemba went down, exactly. If Kemba went down, like Oladipo has like goodbye, they're not even going to make the playoffs. Um, so it's just a con- completely different construction there. And I just like the versatility that Indiana has over Charlotte. I would be interested in like late game, like closing lineups in them trying like Kaminsky to try and like stop the crazy traps on Kemba. Because if you just trap him in pick and roll and then you have to like deal with Kaminsky and like pick and pop scenarios, that at least seems like something of a counter to me. But like, obviously it's hard to play Frank in closing situations right now. Yeah. I was about, I was about to say, so like he misses the three and then what happens on the, hey, other, hey, end, hey, hey. the other way? Frank, um, since they put him back into the rotation, he's sitting at like a 50, 35, 70 shooting line, like 10 <laughs> points a game, four rebounds. It, it hasn't been a disaster. Sure. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a Frank believer. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, it's only I try to be positive. Your general manager couldn't get the number nine <laughs> pick or whatever, offering four first round picks or whatever. It is what it is. Oh but my. yeah, what? Uh, that's like a really good question, though. Like, what kind of move do we think Charlotte could make? Like, I feel like if I was them, I would probably try and call about like Bobby Portis in Chicago to see hmm. if I could like wrench Bobby that's... Portis away. That's super interesting. Um, Bobby Portis is a restricted free agent, correct? Yeah. So and Chicago has Wendell Carter and Lowry Markinen. People say in Chicago that they still want to keep um, Bobby Portis. Like they think he's like the perfect backup center for this group. But I like his game. A I, lot, I love actually. him. I think he's yeah. actually really good. Um, but like they also have that eight million dollar tank of a contract that is Cristiano Felicio. So, that's not a great deal. Um, no, that that's a really interesting uh, fit right there. Um, the one thing I'll say, I mean, then you'd have to pay him, uh, pending what you gave up, and I mean Kemba, you have to pay Kemba. Like, and how 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 deep into the taxes is uh, Michael Jordan willing to go? It's it's a really uh, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, that's a tough situation for sure in Charlotte. Mike, is there anything else that you just want to bring up about the NBA before we move on? Anything that's exciting you? Um, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I, it's it's been a really fascinating season. I, I'm enjoying watching, uh, you know, half of the league right now, the Western Conference. Basically, every team is going for it. We talked about the Spurs and their need to tank, but that's kind of unrealistic based on, you know, the put Greg Popovich's situation and just who the Spurs yeah. are. They're an incredibly proud franchise, but you know, you look around and there's not a lot of teams that are tanking so far. So can, you know, can we talk some... about the one team that is sure? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's Phoenix. What's to bad. Say? Phoenix yeah. Is so bad. But, but even as someone who just watches a ton of basketball, 
um, it's fun to watch. I don't know. It's, it's like they have, I like watching Bridges see what he is. I like watching Aiton figure it out on the offensive end, at least. Um, they're really bad. I mean, yeah, there's nothing. It's not like, especially with Devin Booker now. Yeah. They're, they're going to be holding him out for a while. and They're legit unwatchable without Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe that's not a great... Uh, example here but uh but yeah I, I like the competitive spirit that is just on a nightly basis here you know um the east has bad teams but all of them seem to you know get really discouraged when they lose uh which is really interesting you know like the knicks are just like a feisty team and uh you know the nets have been absolutely terrible since karis Levert went down but they also have a couple interesting players, um, and they play an interesting brand of basketball. So, I mean, it's just... How about the Moutier-Sance? 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 Yeah, that's been terrific. <laughs> it's really difficult to say. Um, <laughs> they, he's been very good. You forget that he's still, what, 22 years old, which is incredible. Uh, Noah Vonley has really... Yeah. I mean, David Fisdale said that Noah Vonley was their, most, their best all-around player. Uh, recently, which was, you know, that's that's quite a statement about the state of your organization. But to his credit, Noah Vonley has played really good basketball. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the league is just in a really healthy place, and I, there's not a lot of teams that I I uh, I don't have fun watching right now. You know, it'd be funny if the Hornets traded for Noah Vonley. <laughs> I mean, they they could use him. Nick Batum for Noah Vonley. Let's go. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, Mike, tell the people what you've got going on. Tell the people where they can find your work, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I write a weekly column called The Outlet Pass. It comes out every Thursday. So today is Thursday. I don't know when this is going up, but today is Thursday. So so uh, uh, check that out every week. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Michael V. Pina, which is where I will tweet basically exclusively my only my my work so I, I will not clog up your timelines people um and that's about it sam this has been the game theory podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe on itunes soundcloud google play android whatever podcasting outlet you use uh i'm sure we're up there now remember uh again please leave ratings leave reviews everything like that we want to start reading ratings occasionally on the show so leave some funny ones please um that's about all I got. We'll be back at some point this weekend talking about the NBA. But until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.